to The People's Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on nutrition, health, and medicine. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back for another episode on the People Scientist Podcast, where every week I arm you with the latest scientific evidence so that we can all lead the healthy life that we want to live. This month, we are still doing Listener Request Month, where I am covering topics and questions that my loyal listeners have specifically asked for. This week, we are covering the scientific evidence on skincare. For example, how to achieve healthy skin and prevent skin aging. We will dive into studies looking at collagen hydrolysis, retinols, vitamin C, hyaluronic acid, antioxidants, facial oils, charcoal, and hexapeptides that can act like Botox, for example. Because there is so much evidence to cover on this topic, I have decided to split this skincare episode into a part one and part two. So let's start off this episode with a few core takeaways. Our skin produces what we call natural moisturizing factors in order to keep our skin hydrated, functioning well, and looking healthy. We can also add some of these natural moisturizing factors if we suffer from dry skin. Now dry skin tends to be more common in cold climates, dry climates, as well as when we age. It also can be very common in certain skin disorders such as eczema and psoriasis. Plant oils have become more trendy and popular in the last few years, and plant oils when applied to the face can actually seal in the hydration by creating a barrier between our skin and the environment. But some plant oils in particular may also have antibacterial and anti-inflammatory effects. So many of these popular skincare ingredients are indeed backed up by science. So let's jump into the details. Before jumping into the ingredients of interest, let's do a very brief background lesson on our skin biology. That way we can better understand what our skin needs in order to be healthy and to slow the skin aging process. A great review was written by Verdier, Sivrin, and Bonté in 2007 in the Journal of Cosmetic Dermatology on Skin Biology. Now, in their review, they note that the outermost layer of the skin is called the stratum corneum. Now, the ability for the skin to retain water and be hydrated and looking young and healthy is primarily related to this outermost layer of the skin. Now, they say that healthy skin contains greater than 10% water. And water is absolutely essential for the normal functioning of our skin, especially for this outermost layer, the stratum corneum. Now, the retention of water in the skin is dependent on two major factors. Number one, the presence of natural water-attracting molecules within the skin that collectively are referred to as natural moisturizing factors. And number two, the lipids and fats in our skin need to be orderly arranged to form a barrier to transepidermal water loss. Now, the water content of the skin is necessary for the proper skin growth, turnover, and for a healthy glowing appearance. Increased water loss of the skin or skin dryness impairs the normal enzymatic functions required for the skin to function properly. 
which results in the visible appearance of dry, flaky, and aged skin. There have been recent discoveries regarding the complex mechanisms of skin hydration. For example, as I already alluded to, the skin naturally makes many molecules that dermatologists call natural moisturizing factors. Now, these natural moisturizing factors include amino acids, urea, glycerol, hyaluronic acid, lactate, glucose, and various salt ions. All of these molecules contribute to the hydration, health, and youthful appearance of the skin. Now, the skin can become dehydrated from many things, including a lack of water intake, excess coffee or alcohol drinking, because both of those can be diuretics, harsh facial cleansers, alcohols applied to the skin, sunlight exposure, low humidity, wind, and aging. In aging, we have a reduced ability to produce those natural moisturizing factors. Now, dehydrated skin can impair the normal functioning of the skin, so this begs the question, if we apply any of those natural moisturizing factors to our skin, does it aid in the hydration, skin health, and promote a better appearance? Well, luckily, several clinical trials have looked at adding these natural moisturizing factors to the skin. So let's start off with one of those molecules, urea. Urea is present in the skin and is important for keeping that outermost layer of the skin hydrated. There is a urea deficit in the outermost layer of the skin in individuals with eczema and in the skin of the elderly. A great review was written by Jacob Levitt and other dermatologists actually right here at Mount Sinai on the effects of topical urea to the skin. As far back as 1957, urea was viewed as an old forgotten therapy. In their review, they gave a quote of Kligman, and he said, it sometimes happens in the enthusiastic search for new therapeutic agents that some old standby has been overlooked, whose luster has worn off, but which nonetheless may have some useful application in moments when the miracle drugs falter. In the world of topical therapy, Urea is such a drug. Now, topical urea, meaning applying urea to the skin, has been beneficial in skin conditions such as eczema, psoriasis, for delayed wound healing, dry, rough skin, keratosis, and many other skin conditions. There are several prescription creams that provide around 40% urea. Reports of only occasional mild burning or irritation is associated with the use of topical urea preparations, but otherwise it has an excellent safety profile. In over 14 clinical trials, they noted that topical urea cream significantly improved skin hydration. And urea treatment for psoriasis and eczema both show an improvement compared to the standard of care or prescription steroid creams or no difference. So, Applying urea to the skin might be beneficial for both skin conditions as well as just enhancing skin hydration in normal skin. How about another natural moisturizing factor such as amino acids? Hori back in 1989 observed a very strong correlation between the dryness of one's skin and the level of amino acids in the skin. So essentially if we have dry skin or aged skin, it is thought that applying creams with amino acids can be a benefit. I find this category of amino acids very interesting because our skin produces so many proteins and peptides to aid in skin hydration and health. But scientists are also getting very creative and are starting to generate new peptides. 
So those with dry skin have much lower levels of amino acids. And so let's look into the clinical evidence to see what happens if we add amino acids to the skin. In 2009, Gurui and Maybach reviewed the clinical evidence on different amino acids and peptides applied to the skin and their effects on skin health and aging. There are so many peptides that have been investigated for their ability to enhance the appearance of skin and to reduce skin aging. For example, peptides and amino acids from soybeans can show that they reduce the formation of protein ACEs, meaning that soy protein can prevent protein breakdown in our skin. For example, in 10 women, a 2% soy peptide cream was applied to the right side of their face daily, while on the left side of their face, they would apply the same cream, but it did not contain any soy peptides in it. And they applied these two creams daily for four weeks. They noted a significant increase in collagen synthesis on the particular side of the face that had soy protein, but not on the other side of the face. They also interestingly noted that the soy peptide cream applied to the skin also appeared to increase hair growth. Another interesting protein or peptide that is being investigated a lot for skin health are aquaporins. Now aquaporins are another interesting protein because they transport water and glycerol in the skin. Aquaporins are proteins naturally found in our skin, but when topically applied to the skin, aquaporins enhance skin proliferation, differentiation and make the outermost layer of the skin thicker, appearing to have a more youthful appearance. It is important to note that often peptides and proteins are too large and too hydrophilic or water-liking in order to be able to enter into our skin. So we can't just apply the protein directly to our skin because it won't penetrate into our skin. As a result, proteins and peptides often need to be combined with ingredients that increase their ability to, to diffuse into our skin and remain there. For example, people may think that if they make a homemade mask with soy protein with water, that the proteins will enter into their skin. In this scenario, it won't. If anything, it will leave a film on the skin that may seem to enhance the hydration because that film may create a barrier between the environment and your skin but these nutrients will not enter into the skin. That's why a lot of producers will add other ingredients such as glycerol, hyaluronic acid, fatty acids, and alcohols in order to enhance the penetration of amino acids and peptides into the skin. Now, while we are on the topic of peptides, I want to briefly bring up the idea of synthetic peptides. Now, some peptides have been created to act similarly to Botox and that they prevent neurotransmitter release in the area where the peptide is applied. And therefore, these peptides can reduce muscle movement and dynamic wrinkles, for example, in the forehead and around the eyes. Now, these are becoming very popular and typically go by the trademark names of Argyroline, Lufazil, and Violox. For example, in a controlled clinical trial, 43 female volunteers applied a 5% cream with the hexapeptide argyroline, lufazil, or combine them both around the eyes twice daily for 28 days. A reduction in wrinkles around the eyes was observed by on average 12%, 16%, and 26% for the different treatments respectively. So as a result, these synthetic peptides are becoming popular alternatives to Botox injections. But let's go back to the natural moisturizing factors. Another natural moisturizing factor that the skin makes is hyaluronic acid. 
In 2005, Brown published that hyaluronic acid may also be an excellent molecule to enhance penetration of molecules into the skin, such as increasing peptide and amino acid uptake by the skin. Hyaluronic acid is what we call a hygroscopic uh, molecule, meaning that it attracts water molecules and therefore aids in skin hydration and health. That's why hyaluronic acid is a very popular molecule, for example, for skin injections. You know, people that get lip fillers or um, injections done to enhance their cheekbones, these are typically complex molecules of hyaluronic acid. Now, Wendell in 2004 wrote a review on hyaluronic acid for skin health and noted that this molecule also has antioxidant properties and can also aid in the transport of nutrients throughout the skin. Creams or serums containing hyaluronic acid also have proven to be effective for skin conditions such as diabetic foot lesions, skin irritation from radiation for cancer treatment, and for actinitic keratosis, which is rough scaly skin from years of sun exposure. In 2011, Pavicic investigated the anti-wrinkle properties of different molecular weights of hyaluronic acid, meaning that they looked at bigger or smaller versions of the molecule. They asked 60 women to apply a hyaluronic acid cream around one eye and the control cream to the other eye. 60 days later, they noticed an increase in skin hydration, elasticity, and a reduction in the wrinkle roughness score in the lower molecular weight version of the hyaluronic acid treated side. This means that the small molecules of hyaluronic acid appear to penetrate into the skin better and seem to have a better effect on the skin. So if you are looking for hyaluronic acid products, try to look for the lower molecular weight hyaluronic acid if they indicate so. Specifically, if you are interested, it was the 130 and 50 kilodalton sized hyaluronic acid molecules that were best in this particular clinical trial. Now, how about another natural moisturizing factor such as glycerol? It is a well-known cosmetic ingredient, and of course, it also naturally exists in the outermost layer of our skin as a natural humectant, meaning it holds on to water. So applying glycerol to the skin in combination with water can certainly enhance the water content of the skin and aid in the natural homeostasis of skin health. Fleur wrote a great review in 2008 on the effects of glycerol in skin health and noted that creams or serums containing glycerol can certainly enhance skin hydration, accelerate wound healing, and can reduce skin irritation. Now, once we have our skin hydrated by all of these natural moisturizing factors, one of the most important steps to keep the hydration in is to apply something to the skin that acts like a barrier between our skin and the environment. You want to know what that could be? Oils, like plant oils. Applying oils to the face has become increasingly popular in the last few years. And after reading the literature, the most important feature to applying oil to the skin is essentially to seal those natural moisturizing factors in and to prevent the skin from drying out. So if someone has dry skin, it is suggested to apply humectants and natural moisturizing factors such as creams containing glycerol, urea, hyaluronic acid, and amino acids. Then later apply a plant oil to the skin to create a barrier so that those natural moisturizing factors remain there in the skin. Now, a great review was published by Lynn in 2017, in which they compared the beneficial properties of different plant oils on the skin. 
Interestingly, coconut oil appeared to be investigated the most for its skin-promoting qualities. Coconut oil appears to have the following benefits when applied to the skin. It enhances the skin barrier, has antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant properties, particularly if you get the extra virgin coconut oil, it has more antioxidant capacity. Coconut oil, when applied to the skin, can also promote wound healing and has anti-aging effects. For example, Evangelista in 2014 conducted a clinical trial in children with eczema, in which one group was asked to apply coconut oil to their skin and one group added mineral oil to their skin. The coconut oil group saw a decrease in their eczema symptoms by 68%, whereas the mineral oil group saw a lesser decrease of 38%. They also saw significant improvements in skin hydration with coconut oil versus the mineral oil. The reason being, coconut oil was able to create a barrier between the environment and the skin and keeping that hydration and natural moisturizing factors in. Now, if you are specifically interested in the anti-aging effects, the oils that appear to reduce signs of aging included peanut oil, almond oil, rosehip, jojoba, and sesame oil. Coconut oil was also included in that list. If you have skin conditions such as eczema or psoriasis and are interested in the oils with anti-inflammatory effects, the plant oils that seem to have anti-inflammatory effects according to this review include olive oil, sunflower, coconut, safflower, rosehip, soybean, jojoba, and sesame oil. Because one of my specialties is lipidomics and fatty acids, I can't do a podcast episode on skincare and not talk about the importance of omega fatty acids. Interestingly, the skin requires omega-6 fatty acids for its skin integrity and health. Our skin is actually composed of a lot of important omega-6 fatty acid-derived molecules that are necessary for our skin health. That is why omega-6 fatty acids are coined essential, meaning we need them for our health, including our skin. We know that the omega-6 as well as omega-3 fatty acids are very important for our skin health. Now, if someone is omega fatty acid deficient, the most noticeable place to see this or to observe their deficiency is on their skin. Their skin will look dull, dry, and possibly inflamed and red, depending on the extent of their omega fatty acid deficiency. This has been very clearly demonstrated in individuals that are in the hospital that unfortunately cannot eat foods for a multitude of reasons, and therefore they need to go on an IV line in order to supply nutrients, and this is called total parenteral nutrition, or TPN. Now, in the past, a long time ago, omega fatty acids were not added to their TPN, and patients, as a result, suffered from very severe skin conditions where their skin became very inflamed and dry and looked very aged. Once they added in omega fatty acids to their total parenteral nutrition, the patient's skin significantly improved. That is why TPN today definitely has a source of omega fatty acids. And this was one of the first indications that omega fatty acids are really important for skin health. And if someone is deficient in omega fatty acids, it reflects in their skin very significantly. So applying oils that contain some omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids may be very beneficial. But eating sources of omega fatty acids is also an excellent way to ensure your skin health. Now sources of omega fatty acids include nuts, nut butters, flaxseed, hemp seed, chia seed, 
almond oil and fish, for example. So there you have it. That is part one of our skincare requested episode. So in brief summary, keeping the skin hydrated is essential for the normal functioning and health of our skin. We need hydration to prevent or treat skin conditions as well as to slow the aging process of the skin. Our skin naturally produces natural moisturizing factors. So if you add an oil to the skin, it will keep these hydrating factors there in the skin. This would be effective for people that do not have overly dry skin. But if you do have dry skin, consider adding some products with these natural moisturizing factors such as glycerol, urea, amino acids, and hyaluronic acid. Then follow it up with a plant oil like coconut oil, for example, to seal those hydrating factors in. And remember, get your healthy sources of your omega fatty acids in your diet as reduced skin health and poor skin appearance is one of those telltale signs of fatty acid deficiency. So eat your nuts, fish, nut butters, and seeds. Next week, I'm going to dive into adding antioxidants, vitamin C, vitamin B5, retinols, and other botanicals to the skin for skin health. So make sure to tune into part two of this skin health episode. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that you're looking forward to part two. This upcoming week is the July 4th holiday, and I will also be working the weekends for the next month. For this particular experiment that I'm working on, it requires over 21 consecutive days of experimentation, so no days off for me in the next few weeks. But as a result, I will be taking this upcoming weekend off from the podcast, but you can expect part two of this skincare episode the following Sunday on July 14th. I also have some excellent episodes coming up on the docket that I cannot wait for you all to hear. In the near future, I will start to bring on scientists to speak on their area of expertise. For example, I have an interview with a very good friend of mine, Dr. Jacqueline Marie Furlan, where we talk about the latest scientific evidence on cannabis or marijuana. I am very excited for you all to hear that episode. So that is a wrap, my People Scientist Army. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, where I post extra tidbits of information throughout the week, and you can get an insight into my life in the lab. I hope you all have a fantastic and healthy week. Wish me luck for my one month consecutive days of work and coming up. I will meet you back here the same time, the same place on July 14th. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.